2: We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception, perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go. not Matt Harmon here with you today. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. Matt Harmon uh, taking a day off. Much-needed day off. He's uh, got some things to attend to, but the show must go on. Um, today, man, we're gonna take it a little bit different. We got guests. We never do guests on this show, man. Uh, but I got a couple of great guests here lined up for you. We're gonna be talking to Kevin Knight uh, from the Falcoholic's uh, in regards to what Atlanta might do. Oh my goodness, could they think about Romo Dunze or maybe Malik Neighbors with a top ten pick? Will they go top ten pick again at offense? I don't know. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Thinking about Neighbors or Odunze at 8 to pair up with Drake London, uh, Bijan Robinson, and Kyle Pitts. That would be a very interesting combination there uh, and a good offense there in Atlanta under Raheem Morris. We'll talk to Kevin Knight what he thinks uh, the Falcons might do there at 8 and in the second round as well. What are they going to do at quarterback? But we are in full-on draft mode. We're talking prospects, man. I want to talk about some of these, I don't know, second-tier wide receiver prospects and the bigger ones at that 6364 bunch of these big athletic dudes running around in this draft class to do that i thought it'd be great to bring in eric froton a college football analyst with nbc sports he's the fswa 2020 college sports writer of the year and congratulations my guy he is the 2024 fswa college sports writer of the year two times this man has won the college sports writer of the year award eric froton joined the program
0: yeah fresh out of the gates i i I just basically pulled up here set up the laptop here in indianapolis for the nfl scouting combine and i'm fresh off the road where i just got the award so this is fresh right out of the gates james you're the first one (laughs) Yeah. Let's Thank go. you, buddy.
2: Thanks for bringing let's me on. Go. Oh man. He's great. Um, I, I had the opportunity to talk to Eric a ton, uh a little bit uh, through SiriusXM XM and then uh, at the FSGA uh, conference as well um, knows his stuff inside and out. And, and I'm excited to bring you on talk about some of these college prospects here. Um, listen, this year compared to last year, there weren't a lot of tall receivers in the draft class last year, this year. It's like, I mean, they're falling out of trees, Eric. I mean, there's a bunch of 6'3, 6'4 guys everywhere. Uh, and a lot of these guys are pretty good and pretty productive. I want to talk to you about some of these guys that, again, outside the top three guys, we know those dudes, right? We know and We know, you know, we know Marvin Harrison Jr., we know uh, Malik Neighbors. All right, but when I take a look at some of these next tier of wide receivers, a lot of really oh my God, so many interesting uh wide outs here that 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 offer you that size. Speed combination that so many NFL teams are just thirsting for right now. Can I start with Keon Coleman there at Florida State? 6'4, 215 pounds. Brother, I love the fact that he's got so many contested catches um, on the highlight reel, but I do think that sometimes I, I just wonder are, are all of them necessary? What's your take on Keon Coleman?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you look at him, 6'4, 215 pounds. Originally started at Michigan State, where he played basketball there, and if you want to watch that. him do some windmill dunks, like Keon Coleman is your guy for this wide receiver class, absolutely. And the athleticism, in that sense, jumps off the screen as you mentioned. You know, the totally. highlight reel catches, some of the the uh, the end zone, you know, deep balls. He his coming out party really was Week One against LSU, where he went out and caught a couple of touchdowns right out of the gate and announced his presence. After transferring from Michigan State to Florida State, and just said, "Hey, I'm here and I mean business." Um, but you know, you, you dig a little further. Uh, I think heading into the combine, yeah. Keon Coleman is a guy who has a lot to show because the questions with him, it isn't his ability to be a big athletic receiver. He returns kicks. Like how many guys 6 right. six four return kicks? You know, crazy. But yeah, it's uh, it's a case of can he separate? You know, because you can't just rely on being a big physical goon at the mm-hmm. NFL level. There's plenty of Patrick, you know, Sertains out there ready to go, who is six foot, two hundred plus pounds, and they can body up. So, uh, a couple of things that are somewhat troubling metrics with Coleman. Uh, you mentioned the ability to, you know, get contested catches. Do that. Yeah. Downfield, twenty-seven point six percent of his targets were downfield targets. That is a mm. huge ratio. He only caught one third of them though. Mm. You know, you want to see guys it, with the downfield. I want to have a little bit more of a success rate. You look at yep. Malik neighbors, you look at Dunze specifically. He led oh, the goodness. nation in deep targets and conversion. He converted like two thirds of them. Um, wow. That is certainly concerning to me. One, yep. 1.74 yards per route. You know it's not that flashy you want to see maybe you know two two and a half you want to hopefully have an nfl caliber wide receiver and then uh that is actually the fourth worst yards per route out of the top 86 wide receivers in yardage this year
2: that's not good (laughs) no it's not great that raises some red flags. You know, and again, it also points to the fact that, again, 6'4", 215 pounds, unbelievable athlete. And let's be real. I mean, again, the contested catches are good. They're nice. He made a lot of one-handed grabs. Uh, he certainly has the hand-eye coordination, I think, to to make a difference in the NFL. But despite the fact that you've got the size, the speed, the, the, the contested catchability, you look at the production overall, 50 catches – 658 yards at Florida State and the year prior at Michigan didn't even crack 800 yards at Michigan State right so I I was a little bit confused by that and again look I'm not a tape guy man I I haven't sat down and watched 10 games of Keon Coleman I've, I've watched a few games but I was surprised by the overall lack of production I would say uh by by Coleman at FSU
0: yeah and that's to be merited you know we I expected a thousand yard season uh, consistent dominance, but there was an up-and-down element from a week-to-week basis. In fact, mm. there was a pretty good stretch in the middle there where, from a, a college football props perspective, I was fading them a lot. Mm. And it, it was working out because – and you do have to remember to to be fair to him. Jordan Travis got hurt in November. For those last few games, they I mean, Florida State was just trying to scrape by – with backups, and it was clearly yeah. obvious that this team could not move the ball very effectively. It was a lot more Trey Benson and Lawrence Toa Philly down the stretch, including that ugly ACC championship game. I think it was 12-7 to seven yeah, against horrible. Louisville. That was a disgusting. That was a game nobody should be confined to watch, but um, that does need to be accounted for with his numbers. But there is an element of truth to the fact that he isn't a speedster. If he could run, I think... He could run at even four five five, I'd be pretty happy given his height and weight proportions. Yeah. But oh, for sure. um you know, there are there are questions about his ability to separate. You're not gonna be able to get away with the things that he did in college, he did in the NFL, but the rest of his profile, athletically, is there. He's a freak. Yeah,
2: he's an absolute freak. Uh, you talked about, uh, you know, just coming right out the gates against LSU. <laughs> LSU had uh, a Keon Coleman on their side, right? Uh, a guy by the name of Brian Thomas, 6'4", 205 pounds. Again, another guy, size, speed. Uh, the speed will be will be on display. I, I'll be interested to see what he tests here at the combine. But um, for Brian Thomas, I, again, when I when I go and dig in and I watch this guy play. I love the fact that he is six four and he's got great ball tracking ability deep down the field. There has been Eric, though, a little question as to can he make it in contested catch situations? Is he tough? Does he got that that dog in him as they say? I don't know what what did you see in regards to Brian Thomas from lSU?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that stems from uh, his body type. You know, I look at him, you know Thomas, I also look at Troy Franklin similar body types with that the long, slim kind of frame. Uh, I do think that Thomas is a little more sturdy. I do, if you look at him in the shorter, the medium to, uh, you know, between the first 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, you do see him winning and being able to, you know, run a curl route and shake a a cornerback in a way that sometimes Troy Franklin can't because he just gets bodied. He's got that extra 10 pounds really does make a difference, in my opinion, with Thomas. But when it comes to Brian Thomas, you can nitpick about the contested catches because you cannot – I mean, he is unassailable when it comes to his deep ball ability. And we talked about Keon Coleman. On the other side of the coin is Thomas production-wise. 14 of his 18 20-plus yard targets, he converted. 78% deep catch rate. That's the best in the class. You know, that's the sensational four out of five. That is, I mean, you can, enough can't be said. On top of that, of those fourteen catches, eleven of them went for touchdowns. Wow. So like, he's he's breaking them. You know, there's yak on that, but he's also making really tough adjustments to the ball downfield. That's as hard as it gets as a receiver being able to do that, having the body control, having, as you mentioned, James, the ball tracking ability downfield. Yeah. Cannot say enough about how difficult that is. On, in his totality, how it affects his overall performance, 152.7 NFL passer rating when targeted. For those who know, 158.3, mm. I think, is perfect. So that's pretty close, you know. And, <laughs> and, and while Jaden Daniels was great, yeah. so was Malik Nabors and Brian Thomas. You know, it's a chicken-or-the-egg thing there with, with LSU, with all the talent in that wide receiver board.
2: Um, all right, so we go to South Carolina. Xavier Leggett. Uh, I am just, brother, I am torn on this guy, man. Uh, he's an absolute freakazoid athlete. 225 pounds? Are you freaking kidding me? Um, again, very curious to see what he runs in terms of the 40, but I, I, I saw plenty of speed on tape, man. Um, nine catches for 178 versus North Carolina. Five for 189 versus Mississippi State. I'm just so torn on him because he's such a great athlete, Eric. But I again, I didn't see a lot of contested catches being made here. Um, and and again, the route running, I'm I'm just a little bit, I'm a little bit torn on. I don't know what did you see in regards to Xavier Leggett
0: Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. watch in terms of what he does. He's got speed. He can yep. stack receivers. I was there at the senior bowl day one. All he wanted to do was stack receivers and, and run the deep fly and get that highlight real catch. He had like seven or eight one-on-ones where he just tried to burn these ultra talented D backs and it didn't work. And he had a really rough day one right. day two. You saw him running more of a full route tree, snapping it off. And he showed that he is a little bit more of a complete receiver than we might have kind of given him credit for. And then you saw him in day three of the Senior Bowl open that up a little more and be able to beat corners because they had to play him honest. But um, you know, with the contested targets, yeah, 50% contested target catch rate. However, uh, what I would ask you to take a look at, yeah. seven of 10 contested deep shots he caught. Wow. Again. Wow. The ball tracking there for Leggett, I think, it's is legit. 25% of his targets were downfield, too. He was a major deep threat. You know, anybody who's at that 20% or plus mark, that's, yeah, that's considered that's pretty big. prolific, you know, and he absolutely checked that box. 20 yards per catch against man coverage, 158.3, a perfect passer rating when targeted against man coverage again, and that's in the SEC East for South Carolina. So, That's the good stuff. The bad stuff, he's not a huge separator. You know, being that big, being that kind of clunky, you know, his breaks aren't as clean as you're going to see from some of the smaller receivers like we had from last year's class. Why some of those guys were a little easier to evaluate because snappy routes are snappy routes. They just (laughs) translate. I just feel like that's universal, you know, whereas this big class, James, some of them will rise to the top. And some of them will fall. They will be the James Baldwin's out there, you know, who they look like Tarzan and they play like Jane, as Bill Parcells used to say. And I think you're going to get some of that from these big guys.
2: No, you're right. And again, this is a player that I am really, really torn on because I do think uh, just from his athletic profile, like he could absolutely smash, but he's got to find the right spot. You know, I think he's got to find the right spot. I don't find I don't think he's a you know naturally talented route runner, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what some of the numbers come back on in regards to our guy Matt Harmon uh, as well. So I don't know. We'll see. Last guy wants
0: Ace, man. I, Matt Harmon has an opinion. You have me.
2: Hey, listen, man. He will. Tra- he will track Xavier Leggett, and he'll he'll, he'll let <laughs> us know about the route running. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um. Hey, in Texas, Adonai Mitchell. Uh, another player that I am torn on. Okay, 6'4", he's a beanpole though. 190? My guy's 190 at 6'4"? Yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty that's pretty skinny. Man, I don't know, Eric, and 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 maybe you can dive, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't know if there's another player of this size that's got better ball tracking um deep down the field than this guy. I love his hands. I love the hand-eye coordination and I love again that that ball tracking ability that Adonai Mitchell possesses. The problem for me is short area, intermediate area. He's just not that shifty, man. Um, what does Adonai Mitchell look like to you?
0: Yeah, I think you you sort of hit on it a little bit, which is that ability to get third stage route separation with hand usage and phys- you know good timing and ball tracking. He really does a good job with that, you know, it, having a feel, keeping that the the barrier arm out there, um, you know, being able to to track, contort. But you know, you I, I wanted a little more out of him in his totality production-wise. Mm. He's out there, he's a Texas. You know, you right, got right. you got Xavier Worthy on the other side too. But look, there's there, there was plenty of points scored by the Steve Sarkisian led Longhorns there. Um he's smooth. You know and like you said but he's he's thin you know he's linear which means you know yeah you can he does a there's a fluidity to him but um he's not real route manipulator is how i would say with adenai mitchell he'll throw feints you know and, and yeah. he'll stutter a little bit to enhance his routes but um you know he i'm not watching the full plan that he's putting together you know um he a couple of times you know you watch him on curl routes he's not coming back to the ball and attacking it he's letting it come to him mm-hmm. i don't like that release package i'd like to see a little more in his release package it's kind of basic that's something he's going to have to clean up and that probably really you know relates a little bit to the the relative thinness of him where he he could use a little bit of strength up top so, but um you know he knows how to win at the catch point you know he knows how to separate at you know the late late right stage excuse me route stages but um, 1.8 yards per route, I need more. Yeah, And he's just profile as a deep threat specialist who only had three targets uh, all year behind the line of scrimmage on screens hmm. and manufactured touches that are easy to get the ball in his hands. They don't give him those three of three for 21 yards, you know, not explosive in that way you'd like to see more of a complete route tree out of him.
2: The fact that he can't, or, you know, at least at this point, hasn't shown a great ability to separate at the short and intermediate areas of the field. Do you think that he can pull off this deep route stuff in the NFL, not having that complete package? I mean, there are certain players that have done it, um, but I, I just don't know if, if adonized the, the level of athlete to be able to pull it off. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, does his game, basically what I'm asking you, Froton, does his game translate to the NFL?
0: I don't like seeing 3.4 yards after catch. I'll tell you that right. much. If we're talking modern NFL and the way that receivers, true ones are going to be used. Uh, I think that he is behind the, Better second tier receivers. I'd re- I like Thomas more. I like oh, yeah. Coleman oh, more yeah. because of that reason. At least I can see the special traits that they have. Uh, Xavier Worthy is the same thing. His jets are real, and I think when it comes to you know uh, what he's going to do with the combine, I-, I think he could lead the class in speed. You watch those jets. That's a special trait, and I need to see Mitchell put it all together in a way that I just simply haven't yet. So that that concerns me with these tall guys, the the short separators. We saw him last year, a little easier project for me when they have that sort of a skill set.
2: Yeah, what a different draft class this is because I thought last year's wide receiver draft class not very good, and it was really long on smallish wide receivers. Uh, this year's just different, man. There's just so many big boys out there uh, busting DBs over the top. I mean, it's fun to watch. I'll tell you this. I'm enjoying myself watching some of these some of these guys play, man. I mean, there's just so many deep balls uh, going down there. A lot of contested catches, um, and it's it's a lot of fun uh, to watch some of these prospects play because man, they're just big boys out there, and some of these guys are just freak athletes, man.
0: Absolute freaks. You know, Troy Franklin certainly in that. You can wait yep. till you get to Ma- Malachi Corley, who's five ten. 215, but he's just an absolute fire hydrant, just (laughs) blowing through arm tackles. Yeah. Jalen Polk, when it comes to his compete for Washington, you know, everybody talks about it, Dunze, but there's Polk and McMillan there too. I think all three of them are NFL caliber. Polk, when it comes to the tenacity which he runs his routes, he's attacking the ball. Like he's just, he just wants it. I love every, all three levels he competes. I love it. And then there's the Roman Wilson's and the Lad McConkey. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know, more
0: on that smaller side sure. so that we had last year wideouts, but those guys just separate. Roman Wilson could put up some of the best overall testing profile like spark profile we've ever seen from a wideout. He is incredible with the fast twitch stuff. He didn't get a lot of passes in Michigan because of the nature of their offense, but man, he popped in the senior bowl, both of those guys. Very excited. Pierce all two. Throw them all in.
2: There you go. Um, okay, so of these four guys that we talked about, Brian Thomas, Keon Coleman, Xavier Leggett, Adonai Mitchell, uh, who to you has the highest upside?
0: I think Brian Thomas has the most, you know, the highest upside. I, I'm I'm staying the course with him there. Um, if he can, you know, he has enough up top. If he just, you know, goes from maybe 195, just low twos, I, I liked what I saw about how he won at all three levels. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he can do it. Yeah, That's if I had to pick one, it's got to be him. If I had to pick the next one, I would go with Keon Coleman just because he has some special athleticism. I want need to see how he tests. I think I think that forty, it's an overrated thing. Everybody talks about it for guys like that though, the big guys. Mm-hmm. If they can pop impressive forties, where that's the thing that you're questioning about. Oh, it matters. we get yeah. You know, yeah. and and Coleman,
2: these big guys, it matters. Yeah. So
0: you know, I I I think they got a lot to lose there and a gain. Okay, so so of, something to watch
2: of the four, who's got the biggest downside? Who could be the biggest potential bust of that of that group of four?
0: I think we'll get because of the turning radius thing, you know, the yeah. fact that he is not six three, six foot, just over that it's a different you know the way that he wins i'm concerned that that translates especially at 220 you know it's 6 foot 220 that's a that's a different kind of way to move sure is. you know and he's not he he isn't somebody who's snapping off the routes he isn't clean like that he's going to run with he's going to win with a little more physicality can that translate and if it doesn't it's it's not going to work at all
2: all right who is the most pro ready of that group
0: Priority of that for me.
2: <laughs> I've got the gears maybe going right now. <laughs> I'll
0: probably say Coleman. Okay. I'm just so intrigued about Same. if it comes together, maybe give him a season. I'm, I don't want to go too early. You know, he might have like a Quentin Johnson year one, but I don't see Quentin Johnson and Trelon Burks as much no. as I see, you know, the, the dynamic, the, the athleticism that if he can put it together, because he gets the short, he gets all kinds of hitches. Like you can throw the manufactured touches to him, and he can have that Drake El, Drake London element mm-hmm. of just palm to face to ground, just, just the stiff arm <laughs> right, and just right, the right. bully aspect. Right. He can be a bully like that, and I would love to see him grow and get an opportunity like a Drake London. You know, I, I, that's kind of like the light. Drake London light is what I could see his ceiling be. And I would just love to see him unleashed if he puts it all together.
2: Man, brother, the reason Keon Coleman is not going to be Quentin Johnston is because Keon Coleman can catch. This guy is in yes. his element when he is in contested catch situations. Now, again, I go back to, unfortunately, I think he causes some of those co- contested catch situations because not a natural separator in some areas of the field. Right. But Quentin Johnson. We knew even coming out of TCU, he was going to struggle and contest to catch situation. That's not what he did in college, and it, and it's just been exacerbated at the pros, right? But Keon Coleman, my God, um, I do tend to think that sometimes he goes unnecessarily, makes it difficult with these one-handed catches. Like I'm like, I think you could have caught that with two hands, you know? But I think he might be having a little bit more creativity, a little bit more fun. Uh, trying to get these one hand stabs out there, but uh, man, his, I listen, bro. Like let, let's not compare Quentin Johnston to Keon Coleman, especially for, from the catch point. You know what I mean? Not
0: yet. Not quite yet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, there you go, man. I appreciate you breaking down some of these guys. I'm going to let you go. I, I know you're busy over at the combine. Um, we're going to check in with you in, in a few weeks here uh, and kind of get a temperature check. Uh, on some of these prospects and where they're at as they head into the into the draft. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always a pleasure. It was great seeing you at the FSGA conference. Of course, my friend. Always. You've always been somebody that I look up to in the industry, oh, what thanks, you've man. been able to accomplish, and anytime you need anything, you know I'm
2: here. Eric Froton from NBC Sports. All right, joining us for the very first time, uh, we're going to do a little check-in with the Falcons, and to do that, we bring in Kevin Knight from Falcoholic. So, uh, SB Nation's if Alcoholic. He's a Falcons reporter. Uh, we've been following each other
1: a long time. So, it, it, f- so, Kevin, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been... Uh, I love reception perception. I know I told Jays before the show, but following him since the, the NFL fantasy days and and had to jump at a chance to get <laughs> on the show. So
2: I love it, man. I want to do a temperature check here on the Atlanta Falcons. It's one of the more interesting teams, I think, <clears throat> this offseason, especially when we're talking about wide receiver. Brother, I, we had to double-check this. This was crazy to me. When we're talking about positional spending at the wide receiver position, Falcons dead last. They're spending $8.5 million Um on wide receivers in 2024. This is a team, Kevin, that has absolutely no one outside of Drake London. They've got Drake London and nobody. If there is a team that needs wide receiver, my God, it's the Falcons.
1: Yeah, it's, Kind of wild, uh, you know, when you put it in, in those terms that the Falcons haven't done more. I mean, we know Arthur Smith hates wide receivers, yes, uh, so, you know, that <laughs> that's probably part of it. Uh, but, yeah. you know, they didn't take a wide receiver last year um, when I think a lot of people had had pegged them to do that. And they didn't really spend at the position either. I mean, Mac Hollins was kind of their biggest addition, um, and he ended up being an afterthought pretty much immediately. Uh, which was a little shocking given that he seems to fit the mold of what Arthur Smith wants, but I right. guess we'll never really know what Arthur Smith wanted to do it, Whatever happened in Atlanta doesn't seem like what he wanted. Uh, it didn't right, work clearly, right, right. but um, yeah, it, it's kind of shocking when you look at the depth chart. Uh, I mean, Drake London, he's going to be the man and he's probably happy about that, but uh, he's going to need some help somewhere. <laughs> It can't all be Kyle Pitts.
2: Well, here's the thing. When we talk about the Falcons, Kevin, it's really interesting. Everyone talks about quarterback. And as a matter of fact, Raheem Morris throwing Desmond Ritter under the bus saying he wouldn't even be here if he had better quarterback, which I get. I get it, man. I get it. You know, okay, Desmond Ritter, I think we've seen enough. He's not the answer at quarterback. All right, cool. But everyone wants to talk about quarterback for the Falcons. And to me, whatever quarterback you bring in, I mean, you are putting them Uh, in a tough spot if drake london's your only guy that's a, a reliable pass catcher uh they're in a falcons uniform this is this is truly a team that that i think really needs to go out there um and attack this position at depth because they've got no depth at that position but with that in mind kevin Who would you like to see this team go out and try to go get realistically?
1: In terms of like free agency, I I don't know that they're going to be big players for the the free agent wide receivers. And I guess we'll see who ends up shaking loose. You know, I mean, if Michael Pittman shakes loose, obviously, I think a ton of teams are going to be involved in there. I can't imagine he makes it out of there, obviously. Never. You know, I I, I don't. Calvin Ridley does like Raheem Morris, so maybe there's like a slight chance of a reunion if he leaves. You know, he was more friendly with that coaching staff. It seems like, but that also seems unlikely. Uh, Dude, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Can we
2: explore that? I literally never thought about a reunion, but that there there's a non-zero percent chance that could happen, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they're not going to give us their second round pick, we might as well just sign Ridley at that (laughs) point, right? So, (laughs) it's fair. They don't want to. So, (laughs) I think it's unlikely, but it would be funny. Uh, It would. It would be great. Oh, it would be.
2: Oh my god, Uh, it would be so funny. It would be the best. Yeah,
1: it'd be the best. I love it. Okay, anyways,
2: but but go on, go on.
1: Maybe Tyler Boyd. They're going to be going to Zach Robinson's offense, which. I guess we don't know is going to be the same as the Rams, but you have to imagine it's going to be similar, which yeah, means yeah, yeah. 11 personnel heavy, no more two tight end sets as the base. Uh, they just released John Smith to kind of drive that point home. I think so. So maybe Tyler Boyd could be someone they go at looking for that veteran presence there. Um, you know, Josh Reynolds, perhaps if he, you know, gets free, um, if they do end up trading for Justin Fields, you know, maybe they go for that Darnell Mooney reunion. Um, to get that that deep speed in here, um, I I do think they're likely to bring back Caderel Hodge. Uh, they do have the same special teams coordinator, okay. And Hodge was like a serviceable wide receiver four or five type, and he's their one of their core special teamers. So they'll they'll probably bring him back. Um, you know, maybe Van Jefferson returns because he actually knows this scheme probably better than the scheme he was traded into. So maybe that's such this a great point. Like,
2: that's a great
1: right? point. Um, but, you know, probably those are like your maybe wide receiver four and five. Uh, you still need yeah. to find two and three, which are the big ones. So so maybe yeah. you can get Tyler Boyd in here. I tend to think they're probably going to draft two. Um, and, you know, quarterback is just the big question mark because if they do end up signing Kirk Cousins or, or trading for Justin Fields, which seems to be uh-huh. the flavor of the month right now, yeah, yeah. maybe wide receivers in play at eight. I mean, I know everyone's got edge rusher kind of written in pen there if they don't, if they're not able to trade up for a quarterback. But, you know, it, if Malik Neighbors or Roma Odunze does fall to eight, I mean, I think they would have to be very tempted by that as well.
2: Yeah, uh, we're taking. I'm taking a look at some of these mock drafts here, <clears throat> here from um, from some different places. But uh, Mel Kiper uh, does have Odunze at six to New York, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but there's a, I think there's a possibility that he falls. We're not a hundred percent sure what New York is going to do, although they do need wide receiver too. Um, what, do you think that they might? I, I, it's almost insane at this point to think that they would spend another top 10 pick on an offensive player. Um, but they kind of sort of need it, especially at the wide receiver position. And boy, I, I do think though, and I don't know if you're with me, I think it would be a huge mistake for them to reach for quarterback there at eight.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only one you could see is McCarthy and like, it, he's He's going to fly up draft board just because, you know, he, just the way it is but i i don't love that i mean I, I think you're probably not super happy if you're a fan if they make that pick no that would probably be like their plan c or d at the at that point like they struck out on fields and cousins they weren't able to trade up okay so now we got to get McCarthy so you hope it doesn't come to that um but yeah i mean f- like i thought fans would be more upset with the wide receiver at eight but there does seem to be this you know, fans are like, no, no, it's okay. If we get Malik neighbors <laughs> at eight, that's fine. You know? I mean, he'll yeah, be yeah, the best yeah. player available at that point, more than likely. Sure. So it's, I mean, you, it makes sense on a lot of levels. You're going to have to pay London and Pitts soon. You know, London, probably in two to three years yeah. Pitts in like two years. Um, so it, getting a cheap wide receiver two on a rookie contract makes a ton of sense and the value and the need line up there, it just is going to make everyone that wants the Falcons to get a real like edge rusher, very upset. Cause it's like, Oh, they passed on edge again. But I mean, in this class, <laughs> right, it's like, you right. can see it happening. It's lining up for that to happen again. Um, I mean, they got the eighth overall pick three times in a row. Might as well take a skill position player, you know, that is four so times funny, in a row. Why not? Man.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Kuyper's got Malik neighbors at nine. So the, the pick right after to Chicago, um, I gotta say, man, I know it's crazy because they've spent top ten picks at, at, you know, on the offense, um, three years in a row. But if Malik Neighbors is there at eight, I don't
1: know how Best you turn that available. down. Yeah, I, I don't exactly. know how you turn so, that
2: down. Oh, yeah. Man.
1: I mean, it, um, yeah. No, yeah. go ahead. No, it's just like other than it's like that or Edge is kind of the discussion there because you both are very premium positions, but yeah, you know, you kind of feel like the Falcons were able to to get by with not great edge play because how good of how well their interior defensive line played and their secondary played and this is a a coaching staff on defense that I think is going to emphasize the secondary with Jimmy Lake coming over from Washington with all his pedigree in the secondary and Jerry Gray there as well um you know they're they may try to cobble something together uh there I mean they're probably going to have to spend a at least their second round pick on edge if they don't spend the first one. But, you know, that the free agent edge class is very interesting as well. Like I so maybe they just go for a big free agent. Maybe, you know, if Daniel Hunter shakes loose, maybe they go for him yeah. and and they fill the need there and then they take the wide receiver in the draft. But it either way, I mean it's it's hard to fill all these these big needs, but You know, I, I, there's no way you could be upset with Malik neighbors coming in here or, or Roma Dunze if he ends up making it. So
2: at wide receiver, let's say they don't go Malik neighbors here. Is there a wide receiver that you think that they should target in the second and third rounds
1: at the senior bowl? You saw a lot of these guys really sort of take off. I mean, I was really impressed by Roman Wilson. I think pretty much everyone was, you know, I think uh, Ricky Pierce all makes a lot of sense. And it's a super deep class so like I think if you don't get neighbors with that pick you probably go for we're gonna get two guys like maybe two guys on day two or maybe we get one guy early on day two and one guy you know early on day three but you know if they're going to that 11 personnel if ladd McConkey is still there at their second round pick you know getting that high-end slot receiver which they haven't had in in you know years since the previous <laughs> offense was in here right that could right. be an option. Um, you know, obviously if you see a guy fall like AD Mitchell, you'd love to get that speed, that size speed combination in here. I mean, they could really go in so many ways. I really like Jalen Polk from Washington. He's a guy who seems likely to be there at their second round pick and just a good, he checks all the boxes of a good wide receiver too, you know, and he, he would really give them a, someone else. That's a strong compliment to what they already have. Uh, but I, I think you could go in a lot of different ways, um, but it's just, I think if they don't get that like super high end guy, and they don't get a, a difference maker in free agency, they're probably going to need to leave the draft with two guys in that sort of second to fourth round range.
2: You would think so. Again, when you just take a look at <clears throat> the the positional depth chart, it's it's shocking how shallow it is for Atlanta. And again, when I talk about <clears throat> them spending eight point five million dollars at wide receiver, keep in mind it's the lowest by far. I mean, the the next would be the Packers at ten point seven million dollars spending at wide receiver and we know that they've got you know all these guys on rookie deals right on the opposite end of the spectrum the chargers now obviously this is going to change but the chargers right now slated to spend 75.9 million dollars at wide receiver that's insane obviously that's going to change obviously that's going to change but i'm just saying that that's it's that's the, the range yeah. we're talking about now right we're we're you know in 2024 the chargers are slated to spend nine times the amount yeah. at wide receiver that the Falcons are they desperately need depth uh, at this position and I'm really interested to see uh, what the Falcons can do now Kevin can I just say and, and I'm just I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast here it feels especially in the topsy-turvy NFC South it doesn't feel like the, I know it sounds crazy because they're picking a, it doesn't feel like they're that far away though. I mean, that's what's so crazy when you've got a Bijan Robinson, when you've got a Drake London, when you've got Kyle Pitts, it does, if you can address quarterback and wide receiver depth in the draft or through free agency, Boy, I just, it feels like this offense is really, really close. And again, we just highlighted the fact that their defense
1: last year played out of their minds. I mean, this team was so frustrating last year in that if if just a couple of things go different, like if they just tackle... uh, Man, now I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the Cardinals quarterback before Kyler Murray came back ended up playing for the Vikings. I just completely blanked out on his uh, name. J- Josh Dobbs. Yeah, if they had just tackled Josh Dobbs, who three guys had hands on at the end of that Arizona game, they win that <laughs> game and they're, and they're very much... And they're probably winning the division just based on somebody Crazy. actually holding on uh, when they had him in, in their hands. And Josh Jobs, that's one of his specialties. So, you know, props to him for yeah. getting out of that. But, you know, they did the same thing at the end of the Titans game. They, they blew it when they couldn't get the sack completed. You know, they just make two plays, and they're making the playoffs. Now, and that's with all the flaws. Like, the offense was not right, right, good. Right, right. The quarterback play was not good. Even the running game was extremely mediocre, which that's honestly, I feel like, why Arthur Smith got fired more than anything, is that your calling card didn't even work anymore. So... um They've got the three, you know, three guys on offense in Kyle Pitts at tight end, Bijan at running back, and, and Drake London at wide receiver. That you've said like, okay, we've got this core, we've got these three guys, but yeah, you need the quarterback. Like, if you have a quarterback, then it's <laughs> then it's great. You know, you can make do right. with maybe patching up some stuff around it because if Kyle Pitts has someone that can get him the ball, um, and he's maybe going to finally be healthy. He was never really healthy last year. What we're kind of learning at this point. So so maybe he can kind of function as as a you know, a major outlet in the receiving game. It takes a little bit of pressure off the wide receiver room, but you got to get at least a, a competent wide receiver too in here because yeah. it, you know, and that's not any injuries because those are going to happen. So that's a good point too. They're probably going to have to, to put this thing together somehow, uh, and hope for some, maybe some UDFA's or, or some, you know, free agent guys to pan out. But, uh, yeah, they, they need major help and, and they're close. Like I, they, this, this division is there for the taking and, they really should have won it last year that's why we've got a new coaching staff so
2: <laughs> I, I now now I'm rooting for Calvin Ridley to come back to Atlanta I need that to happen <laughs> yeah. in my life um all right quarterback wise uh, there's there's been obviously some links to Kirk Cousins there's been some a lot of links to Justin fields uh, given the coaching staff given the weapons here who do you think would be a good fit Um, again, if it's not those guys, who do you attack there in the draft in regards to to quarterback?
1: I mean, I I think plan a is to trade up into the top three to get one of the top three quarterbacks. I think that's what they want, but Mm. I think they recognize that's very unlikely. So that's probably why you're going to see them try maybe at the combine to see if they can sniff out a deal to move into the top three. If they can't, you know, they're probably going to pounce. It seems like now the buzz is they're going to pounce on, on Justin Fields. Um, you know, I I like that. I think it's, it's a good balance of risk-reward where you're not really giving up too much. You know, we'll have to see what the trade compensation ends up being. You know, I wonder if it yeah. could be like a day two pick this year and maybe a conditional day two pick next year. Um, you know, in the financial aspect, you're not really having to spend a ton. Even if you pick up the fifth year option, you're really only committed for two years. So that could be a good... Let's see if this works, and and not have to break the bank, and we can maybe try to build a team around him. If you know, I think Kirk Cousins, like from a schematic standpoint, makes a ton of sense. You know, he would be oh, yeah. comfortable in this offense. But all the buzz that we're hearing is they want to go young. They they don't really want to get a short term option. They they want to have at least a chance of finding their long term guy. And Justin Fields has a chance of being your long term guy. Is it a great chance? Who knows? You know. <laughs> But he's got the potential. I mean, he's younger than, like, half the oh, quarterbacks in this draft class, it seems like. So, I mean, he's still know, got, right, you know, right, time. Right, right. But, um, you Yeah, know, so I, I think they would love to get up for one of these quarterbacks uh, in the draft. But if they can't, you know, and I think they're probably going to do as much work on that this week as possible, as much whining and dining and, you know, of, of the Bears and, and other, other folks. You know, probably not spend too much time on the Bears. I think we know that they're not moving. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think they would love to get Drake May if he somehow slides. Like I know it was in, um, I think it was Airlines Mock where they where where Drake May ended up sliding. The fucking straight up to get him. I mean, that would be a dream come true, but oh, yeah. it's just not very likely. So, uh, to me, I think it's it's probably Justin Fields, um, and that doesn't preclude them from from still trying to get up for a quarterback. But it's just like it's so hard and so many teams are trying to do it and the top three teams all have a great reason to not trade the picks either. So it's, yeah, I know that's yeah, what fans yeah. want and it's like, that's the ideal scenario, but <laughs> they, they can't go into the draft with nothing like except Ritter and Heineke and Heineke's probably going to get cut here soon because of the cap savings. Yeah. So like you're not just, you can't just walk into draft weekend with just Ritter under contract and, and think that it's going to be okay because maybe a miracle happens, but are they, you know, NFL teams don't typically wait for the miracle trade to appear, you know, on draft night. So it would be, you know, a masterful, masterful gambit if they pulled that off. But I don't know that I can handle that uh, going into draft week.
2: Let's say it. Okay, I'm just I'm going through some scenario. Well, first of all, let me just say this: it, it really is too bad the Patriots, you know, fired Bill Belichick because my God, you talk about a guy that would gladly trade down. Oh my God, that yeah. he'd be the guy. He'd be the guy, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, that being said, okay, at eight, let's say the Falcons do go, okay, uh, at, at eight, and they go with a wide receiver, whether it's Odunze or, or Malik Neighbors or whoever it is that falls to them at eight. In round two, could they get crazy and go for, like, a Penix? Would that be okay
1: Maybe. or no? I mean, I I like Penix. I, I think it's certainly worth that pick. But it's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, with Penix, it really seems to be, like, How much are they going to, our team's going to be scared off by his medicals, you know, but Penix would seem to make a ton of sense for this scheme, you know, this Ram style scheme. Um, So I, I like Penix. I'd be happy with him in the second round, but again, it's like, are you, that might be sort of a, we're going to hope he's there, but they can't be plan A, you know, that you're hoping that one of these guys is there in the second round. But I mean, I would certainly be happy to see that happen um you know even and that could be an option even if they do take adjusted fields and they're like okay we're gonna get a little bit of insurance here but um yeah I, it would be it would be nice if someone was there in the second round that was worth taking but I have a feeling a lot of teams are going to be waiting to see uh who's there in the second round and that probably means none of them will be uh, by the time it does so
2: <laughs> well I mean and if they want to trade up in the second round I think that's going to be a lot more feasible uh yeah. than trying to move up into the top three yeah for sure so interesting stuff. Uh, again, I, I I know it's crazy because they're picking top ten again. I just don't think <laughs> that the Falcons are that far away.
1: I, they're I not, mean, really, and that's what's honestly, sad. <laughs> that,
2: that <laughs> they should. I mean, last
1: last year should have been a playoff year. Like the the they had the easy schedule. You know, the the offense was supposed to get better. You brought in Bijan to like take the run game to number like number one in the NFL levels, yeah, and the yeah, run yeah. game got worse. Um and it's because well, they I didn't mean, they, it's
2: because they wouldn't give the ball to freaking Bijan. I mean come yeah. on, let's and, and be real. They,
1: they called one play for Bijan. They called outside zone for Bijan. That was it. And everyone's like, okay, well, there we go. Crazy. I guess we'll just stop that. So I I don't know what happened there, but it, it all fell apart. Uh and they still almost won the division, even even though things it's went insane. terribly wrong. Um so hopefully this year if a couple things don't go terribly wrong, they'll they'll be back uh to their winning ways. But it what a what a situation for Raheem to come into, uh, instead of like a gutted roster like he had in Tampa. I know, Valley, right? Trying to reset. Gee, it's like whiz. Oh, well now we just add a quarterback and, and now we're good. So I, I'm I'm pulling for Raheem. I, I I really I like that hire. I think it's an underrated one and, and I think uh He's, he's a guy that I would be watching for Coach of the Year because he's got the story, too, you know? Yeah, he does. Uh, he does. He
2: does. Uh, Kevin Knight from Falcoholic, SB Nation's Falcoholic. Uh, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, and this I thought this was a perfect temperature check of the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks so much, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, so there you go. That's the show. Great information from Eric Froton and Kevin Knight, but... Our guy, Matt Harmon, will be back with us next week. All right. In the meantime, like and subscribe. Go to the website. Plenty of quarterback profiles going up on the site right now as well. Receptionperception.com. All right. That's it for me, man. We'll catch you next week. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. Peace.